Welcome back to So Every Soul Sings, Worship for the Real Church. This is Rob Ellis. I'm the worship pastor at Woodburn Baptist Church in Warren County, Kentucky, just out of Bowling Green. We're about an hour north of Nashville. I'm looking out my office window at a clear blue sky and sun, and I am so grateful for that because it's rained for 40 days and 40 nights, I think. Um, I'm missing my co-host, Bethany Pedigo. Uh, she is home with a sick kid today, but I get to interview my good friend, Jason Bubba Stewart. Uh, Bubba, if you didn't listen to the last podcast episode, Bubba is the Kentucky Baptist Convention Worship Consultant, which means he has tons of windshield time driving the streets of Kentucky, talking to hundreds and hundreds of churches primarily working with their worship pastors, but also with their pastors, and especially around the dynamics between pastor and worship pastor. So that made me think, Bubba, what does a pastor care about when it comes to the worship service and their worship leader? Uh, listen, I uh, pastors primarily want to be able to trust that they don't have to do any kind of cleanup from or da- damage control <laughs> that that their worship leader song leader does. So is this where I confess all the times that I have left a mess for my pastor to clean? Hey, listen, it happens, brother. <laughs> I'm gonna tell you. Um, you know, and, and, and we don't mean to do it. Uh, it just happens. Let's hope. Not. Uh, you know, sometimes you know we just we'll say the wrong things or we'll do the wrong things, and we just make a mess of it at times. Mm. And uh, quite frankly, it just puts pastors. It just, they they they're on edge constantly during a worship service uh, or during the music portion of the worship service because they're like, oh my goodness, it's going to be a train wreck because I whether we haven't rehearsed right or we, we it's not sounding right or there's a myriad of reasons it could go wrong. So talk to me about some of the, or talk to us about some of the the normal, I don't mean epic, but just the normal messes that we leave without meaning to, or what, what are the things that the pastors don't want to have to clean yeah. up after? I think that uh, from a musical standpoint, we, we do a very, or we could do a better job at working on our intros and our outros. And if you don't know what that means, what I'm talking about is how you start a song and how you end a song. Okay. Because once a song gets started, okay, that's fine. We're all we're all singing right along. That's not a problem. But when right. we get to the end, it becomes very awkward because no one's thought about, okay, what are, how are we going to get to the next element? How are we going to get to the next, whatever the element might be? Right. Music or non-music. It, how do we make it that can transition? be anything. And so because the thought process hasn't gone into that, okay. oh my, watch out. Uh, another issue I've had recently has been uh, songs that have been picked out and done that really might not be theologically sound mm. or correct and kind of leaves question marks uh, about theology. And the pastor then is left to go, why did we even do that song? Why, why, there, there are thousands of other songs that we could have done that are rock solid, but we choose to do this one song that might not be the best. I mean, wet, sloppy kisses. Let your pastor know that you're going to sing a song that, about a wet, sloppy kiss. That's an old reference. So for I, our younger yeah, listeners, yeah. What, what's the song? Uh, How He Loves Me. How He Loves by David Crowder. By David Crowder, yes. Which was originally not by David Crowder. It was by... But by uh, John Mark McMillan, I think that right? So. I think so. Yeah, and so uh, McMillan wrote the lyric, Sloppy Wet Kiss, yeah. to describe the love of God. Sure. 
uh, for his people. And Crowder came along and, and said, I, I don't think that's going to fly in my Baptist church in Waco, Texas. So he changed it to Unforeseen Kiss. And so, yeah, that's a whole story yeah. from, gosh, 15 years ago or more. But there are even there are, there are examples of that that we're even doing in some of our songs. Today. We just got to be yeah. careful. Uh, you know that. So again, your pastor is wants to trust you and wants to say, "Listen, I, I believe in you that you're going to be able to coordinate everything from the start to the end. You're you'll be a facilitator, so to speak, of the congregational songs and the elements that we're doing. So that's that's one reason. Let's go back to that text thing for a minute. Um, give give us a couple of ideas of how we can vet. The lyrics that we sing in worship. What do we need to well, do? Well, you know, for me, what I always did is I always had a committee or a team. Hmm. And we met once a quarter. And this team of six to eight people, anytime a new song was going to be introduced, we they they brought the song or I brought the song. And it was typed out lyrics only, no melody. Right. And we just simply looked at the text only. And we read down through the text. And if that past muster at that past the, the first vetting process then we brought in uh the musical element to it and then we quickly realized well the, it might be a great text but this song is not really singable as a congregational song it might be better done as a solo or as a choir piece or an ensemble piece or something like that and then it would be a matter of then how how are we going to introduce it to the congregation so we had a multiple step process and i would say I would say 60 to 70% of the songs did pass the the lyrics test mm. just because the people already knew when they brought it or when I brought it. Right. Especially, I mean, I don't think any of mine were shot down. I don't think. <laughs> I need to check the record on that. If there is, I want to know which one. Yeah, I'd, uh, uh, which one? the Wet Slappy Kiss one probably <laughs> didn't make it. But uh, we we just, we we wanted to make sure that the lyrics were good okay. or, or great, I should say, mm. or or even greater. I want to both great. They were good. Yeah. You know, we just got too many other great songs that we can sing. So it's been a little while since you were in a setting that you had a committee like that. Yes. The, yes. This, the pace of new music has picked up since oh, then. Oh, yeah. The velocity of it. Yeah. There are new songs, um, thousands of them every month <laughs> that are available to us. Mm -hmm. uh, obviously we're not, we're not listening to thousands of new songs every month, unless you're a Spotify junkie like my daughter. Um, <laughs> So, do you think? It, give us a simpler pro, a, a simpler way to to filter than, I, than I, that. I would really, I would look at the CCLI top one hundred. I, okay. I would go ccli.com slash I think top one hundred, or it's on there. There's a click. There's a link on there on the CCLI website, which stands for Christian Copyright Licensing Incorporator Corporation. That's right. But uh, ccli.com or org or something, it will take you to their website and there's a top 100 and you can look and and see what other churches are seeing because what it is it's a conglomeration it's a it's a stock house it's a warehouse of all the top songs that the church is singing now that doesn't mean that every song on there is great but it will give you an idea of if a song is in the top 10 20 30 songs it might be a good song because other churches are singing that mm -hmm. but that doesn't necessarily mean it's a great song. Right. Yeah. So even if you don't have a committee, maybe just yourself. Read the lyrics all the way through, apart from the music. Yeah. Um, pay attention to anything that jumps out at you. If it jumps out because it's creative and cool, it may also jump out because it's risky. Mm -hmm. So look at that. 
the, one of the songs that, that went through that kind of um, vetting conversation on social media three years ago is Reckless Love. Yeah. Um, yeah. So, you know, when you see a phrase like that or somebody asks you about it, um, yeah, read over it. Think about it. Compare it to Scripture. Let, let, the, let the Word of God be the authority rather than the popularity of the song. Yes. And then just an awareness. You know, I'm kind of embarrassed to think about my first 10 years in ministry. I think I probably sang songs without reading through the lyrics first. Sure. Sure. Now, back in that day, and I'm old, so back in that day, there was a stronger vetting process at the publisher level, and it was mm-hmm. harder to get a song through and all that. Mm-hmm. Um, so I was a little safer which means now I have to be a little more careful yeah. because those those yeah. layers aren't built in. So That's exactly right. Yeah. So pastors want their worship leaders to sing songs that aren't going to stir up controversy. Amen. Is that fair? That's a great statement. Which means if you're going to sing a song that you think might, you probably could talk to your pastor first. Yeah. I, I, the best advice given to me was by a pastor who said, Bubba, uh, please run stuff uh, by me and not over me. And I just really took I, I took the, I took a lot of wisdom away from that. I yeah. never wanted my pastor to be surprised by anything that we did. I wanted him to be fully aware, especially if it's going to be outside the box. Outside, if we were going to, you know, have the children come up and do a skit or something, I just wanted him to be aware so he knew that we knew what was going on and we had worked on this. And again, it's that trust level. It's that it's that it's that level of him going, okay, Bubba, I understand. You're not going to do anything that's going to create too much controversy, but it's going to facilitate and and come in, and it'll be ordained of God. It'll be used by God. It'll be for the for the enrichment and the betterment of our congregation. So the pastor doesn't want to be surprised. Yes, and he wants the songs to start and end well, so that there's some sense of thoughtfulness about the way things work inside the service. Is there anything else that the, the pastor's looking for? Well, I, th- I think you need to understand pastors, uh, for the most part, and this is, I don't be too over, I don't be too generic, but a lot of our pastors have um, fragile egos. Mm. And so... Unlike artists, because, you know, uh, those yes, of us right. in the arts, yes. we have rock-solid egos. Yes. We never need anything kind of affirmation. And you, but you've got to be careful... Well, how can I put this? The pastor is a shepherd. Okay. He's the chief shepherd of that church. And yes, you may also be called as a shepherd, but you're not the chief shepherd of that church. We need to be sometimes careful about trying to play a role that we're not called to play. Mm. Um, I have had lots of conversations with pastors who are very upset with their worship leaders because their worship leaders have preached a mini sermon in between verses or in between songs before the pastor even gets up to do his thing, Okay, which is the preached word of God. Yep. So you can go back like three or four episodes if you want to and listen to the 45-second song intro episode where we talked about uh, those roles staying clear. You know, Mm -hmm. we don't want the pastor to sing and we don't want the song leader to preach, which isn't entirely true. We, and oh, we mentioned that in that episode. My church right. loves it when my pastor sings, and yes. they don't mind if I do a 45-second or even minute-and-a-half song intro, but not six or eight minutes. Like, that's a mini-sermon. And yeah. so, yeah, that, that's really important and, and matters. Um, anything else that you think pastors are especially looking for or not looking for? 
can't think of anything right now. Yeah. I'll think of it later. Um, if you have any, leave a comment or s- shoot me an email or whatever. I would love to hear more about that. I, th- I do think it's important for those of us who are artists to realize that our pastors are probably not. And so their thought process of what they value is different. And it's okay to acknowledge that. That's right. In fact, it's a healthy and beautiful thing. God made the body of Christ to be yes. diverse. And if your pastor is already a hand, we don't need another left hand. We need somebody who's going to be, a, you know, a left big toe or whatever. So um, be who God made you to be and recognize that it's not the same as your pastor, but honor him. Uh, one of the episodes that's going to be coming soon, probably in the next two to four weeks, uh, is called Follow the Leader. And we're actually going to take a whole episode to talk about the, the value, importance, and way attitude to follow your pastor's leadership. So um, keep an eye out for that episode coming up soon. One more thing, Bubba, while I've got you here, um, I'd love to hear from you about the tenure or the length of service of worship leaders in churches. I I have served um, too many churches. and, And I say that because I've now been at Woodburn for about seven years and I'm able to do things in my ministry now that I've never been able to do in other churches. And it's not just because I'm older, not because I've learned more, not because Woodburn's the most amazing church on the planet. Um, I think it is too. Uh, but, but some of it is just because in the first three to five years, I had to prove myself. And, and I understand that from the church member's perspective, from the person who's been here for 75 years. Why should they listen to anything I say in the first year or two? Like, I'm still the new guy. At five years, I was no longer the new guy. I was just the worship guy. Yes. And that made things possible. Yes. And so we miss out on our potential effectiveness when we change after a year or two or three. Yes. Probably. Now, as, as you and I have talked, God sometimes taps you on the shoulder and says, okay, yeah. you came to do a two-year period of time and you've done all I asked you to do. Well done. Time to move on. But I don't think that's the norm. No. So what no. separates the short timer from the faithful longer term servant? Well, I'll tell you, I think that many times we will use what's in our tool bag. And once that is, once we've used all those tools, then we pack up and go. Once we've, mm. once we've used up all of our tricks, our bag of tricks, yeah. we say, all right, well, I don't know what to do now, so I'm going to move on to the next church, and I'll just do those bag of tricks again. And that may take two years or four years or seven years, okay. whatever the case may be. And so you get into this redundant recycle of I'm only going to do whatever the tricks and, and the tools I have in my bag. Okay, It's very dangerous. Yeah. That's why we need to constantly be sharpening our swords. We need to be adding tools to our tool bag because, you know, I mean, we've, Today's, especially today's worship atmosphere, mm. the tools that are at our disposal today is versus 20 years ago. Yeah. It's amazingly different light speed. So how do you do that? How do you sharpen your sword? How do you add tools to your tool bag? I think you need to, if you're not going to some sort of conference on an annual basis, you need to do that somehow. Okay. Get it worked into your church budget to go. There's going to be several great regional, regional conferences are great. I've heard of one coming up soon called the Relay Yep. Worship conference. I've heard a lot about that yep. right here in the Bowling Green area yep. of Kentucky. That will be a great one to do. There's also conferences on the national level that you can go to. But but by going to those and exposing yourselves to those and going to those breakouts and learning, you're just if you ever get to the point where you're you stop learning, you're going to die out. You'll become unuseful for ministry. So 
there are regional conferences in many normal-sized towns. And, and by normal, I mean not big cities, but, but towns. There are also, uh, I don't know about your denomination, but if you're Baptist, your state Baptist office is probably doing something at least once a year yes. where you can go and learn from others about how to do music and worship ministry better. There are national conferences. Those start to get pricey. If it's in your town, that's a that's a bonus because you don't have to pay you know travel and lodging. Um, but there are ways to do that that are cost effective. Other than conferences, anything else? I think just uh, listening to blogs, uh, listening. I mean, to listen to uh, there are, there are uh, YouTube channels out there that you yeah. can learn from. There yeah. are just a myriad of. Uh, subscription services that are even free okay. online of webinars and things that you can you can tap into to learn about worship ministry. Yeah, every day, every week, every week, every month, every year. What what kind of what kind of pace? I listen. I I th- I would say that if um, I would go to a conference once a year at least. Okay. And then I would look into doing something regional quarterly if I could. Okay. Associationally wise, I mean. Do something as much as you can. Just I, I don't know what your pace is, but if you if you don't learn any tools, you've done a bad job. But at the end of the year, if you picked up some tools, good job. Yeah. So I think that's whatever your pace might be. I don't don't know if I would say. <coughs> Excuse me. What are your What are your thoughts on that? Um, I listen to podcasts every day. Mm-hmm. I read books. Um, I read online. Uh, I. I just started working on my doctorate, so that's kind of consuming my conference time. Mm-hmm. I, I probably will do that instead of go to conferences until my doctorate is finished. Sure. But I am going to, to class twice a year for a week each time, so that, that's kind of conference well, Yeah, yeah. Um, but before then, I would sure make sure that I went to some kind of conference every year. I, I think personal growth or personal development is more of a framework or a, a way of being in the world than it is choosing to do an activity. And so I, I'm a little bit of a... I don't mean this in an unhealthy way, but a little bit of a junkie. Like I just love to learn yeah. and I love to grow. Yeah. I'm a wildly different worship leader at 54 than I was at 24. And that's not just because the world has changed so much in 30 years is because I have changed. Yeah. And that's because I've just surrounded myself with opportunities. Um, again, people, and we talked about that last episode, but I love to connect with other people that I can learn from. Absolutely. I don't have to go to a conference. I can just go sit down and have lunch. Yes. And walk in with a list of questions. Yes. And grow. So sharpening your sword is a, a really big deal. And um, I, man, I wish I had done it more intentionally younger. Uh, one of my favorite things I've done the last three or four years here at Woodburn is I make it a goal to sit down with at least six folks who do what I do, but they're a few years ahead of me. And I walk in with the same three questions. Now, those three questions get answered, but those three are three of only about 50 or 100 that I'll ask in the course of that conversation. And I learned so much from that. If I had started that when I was 19 and kept a journal, oh. I could write one whale of a book. I oh, mean, there's yes, so much could. wisdom that has been absorbed in those wow. times. I love that. So, yeah, look for ways to get better, and that will help you stay where you are and make where you are better instead of feeling like you have to go um, because where you are isn't better or because you want to get somewhere better. Yeah, fair? You know, so many times, though, it, it, I, I've encountered a minister um, music, a worship leader, who, because they have chosen, chosen, is that the right word? Have, because they have chosen not to fill their tool bag with more tools, they've run out of, they've run their game. They can go no mm. farther. Okay. And they their usefulness 
mm-hmm. for that particular situation has 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 made it hard for them to stay there and okay. be there. And so my encouragement is to sharpen the sword, pick up more tools. Yeah, stay fresh. Which I would also say um, that has to happen spiritually before it can happen programmatically. So if you're staying in close communion with Jesus, uh, he was there at creation and holds it all together. He's going to help you identify the creative parts of who he made you to be. That's right. So that you're not constantly reinventing yourself, but constantly creating in new and, and beautiful ways. So... Yeah, there. I think there has to be a spiritual dynamic to that too, in order for it to reach its full potential. Um, what else? What else differentiates folks who can't stay very long and folks who can stay longer? Well, it's about the ones that stay longer. I mean, some of the common denominators in those that stay longer is they've they've got a pastoral heart. You know, that, what does that mean? What that means is not only are they doing the music and worship portions of their responsibility, but then they have got a heart that will, as a pastor, can reach out and serve the community and serve your congregation as a pastor, not just a tune heister or a song leader. Right. You don't mean preacher. You mean pastor. No, I, so so I what does that look like? When a, you say pastor, what do you think A pastor about? is going to be someone who is almost like a shepherd leading the flock, you know, leading them to cool water, okay. uh, leading the greener pastures. You know, sometimes sometimes having to break their legs and put their put the lamb around their neck. Now, we don't mean any of this literally, right? There's no leg breaking and there are no pastures. That's right. So so what does that look like practically? What's that look like with skin on? You know, I, I'll tell you. Uh, I encourage all my younger ones, uh, younger worship leaders, that anytime there's an opportunity for I mean, a funeral, okay. a birth, uh, a celebration of some type, graduation. Anytime there's something, there's a celebration with family. And one way or the other, if you can, when you're in those situations, you learn a lot Mm. outside the walls of the church. When you're in the homes of those congregational members, when you're in the nursing homes, when you're in the hospital rooms, whatever the case may be, you're learning, uh, you're putting those connections together and you're ministering as a minister. Not necessarily, you're not singing songs in the hospital. You might. Can do that, but I but, have done that. But yes, yeah, beautiful. It yeah. is beautiful, isn't it? Mm. But you you are being a pastor, and you're doing pastoral duties at that point. I love that when you were said that you didn't get to hospital rooms first, mm-hmm. but you got to meaningful life experiences first. So you're pastoring in a positive context, not just a negative context. Absolutely. And I don't mean that you're negative, but when somebody's in the hospital, it's usually yes. unless it's a birth of a of a yeah. child. Yeah, yeah it's yeah. usually for a. A negative experience and so you show up there and that's a that's a really powerful thing Mm -hmm. but when you show up to the graduation party absolutely that's just as pastoral oh yeah yeah it it, and again you're there celebrating life and doing life with your congregation and your congregation is seeing you connecting with you outside the walls of your church and they realize that you're a real person and that you have a true love for them So a pastor's heart is going to help you have sustainable ministry wherever you are. Um, what else? What else do you see yeah. as common? Well, well, I could tell you. I mean, if I was to take, um, you know, let, I'm going to use a name. Okay. Ken Goforth. Love Ken. We know Ken Goforth. Ken Goforth served for 40 plus years uh, at his church in, in Scottsville. And uh, if I was to talk to anyone about Ken Goforth, Ken, you've got a great voice. You're a great musician. 
But that's not what they talk to me about. That's mm-hmm. not what they know you for, Ken. They know you, Ken, go forth for being there with them in those times of crisis, in those good times, and celebrating life together. And we've got to understand that music and worship is not the only end-all, be-all for the ministry that we do. When I asked this question or, or, or thought of this question, Ken was one of the people I thought of. Uh, he's a hero to me of the faith. Mm-hmm. One of the things I love about Ken and, and it may help you, it helps me, um, is that he didn't take himself too seriously. No. And he didn't get too bent out of shape. He laughed. Yes. I learned to laugh from Ken Goforth. Yes. It is such an important characteristic for staying ministry to mm. be a person of joy. Yes. Which is, of course, a very biblical thing. The mm. joy of the Lord is your strength. And yes. if you don't want to get worn down, you better stay in the joy <laughs> part of life. And some of the ways to do that are to just not worry as much about mm. the things that you can't worry too much about. Hold those things loosely. Mm-hmm. Hold few things tightly, and they should yes. be things of faith, not things of, yeah, the things that we easily get bent out of shape about. So I learned that from Ken. Exactly. And I mean, if you were to ask Ken, uh, Ken could probably give you a list of things uh, that helped him serve that long in one church. Yeah. And uh, and I'm envious of that. Mm. I, I'm, I, I would love to have been in a church for even 20 plus years or yeah. more. But... Uh, one of the one of the keys has got to be um, you 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 don't take yourself so seriously, and you don't get bent out of shape at the littlest of things. Yeah. What's the old saying about the uh, you know it's don't sweat the small stuff. Yeah. You know, and, and so, it's all small stuff. It's all small stuff. Yeah. You know, except God, he's he's big. W- one more thing before we wrap up, you, you've talked about characteristics common to those who can stay longer. Mm-hmm. Are there some characteristics to those who? aren't able to last very long. And by the way, I've been one of those. So yeah. I, I'm, I'm, that's not a judgmental <laughs> thing. Like, you know, we, we're all, you know, when we become so, well, I say the word cocky. Is that, can I, can I just say that word? Sure. I just did. Um, when we think we know it all, when we think we don't need anybody else's help, when we think that it's my way or the highway, when we do stuff like that, 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 that boxes us in, it's trouble. It, trouble is coming. And we've got to understand that we need the body of Christ. And I've seen so many guys that are lone rangers and they get out there and they get so far, they get so far out there. No one's following them. They're doing their own thing. And then they get, they get fired. And then they wonder why they got fired. Well, it's because they never took the time to even learn the names of the, the, the people they're working with. Yeah. And it's sad. So it's more about people than it is about music or about even decisions. Ministry I mean, is all about relationships. Yeah. To, if you want a healthy ministry, if you want to, uh, you've got to build relationships and have those relationships and value those relationships. My pastor says, and I may have quoted it on this podcast before, but I love it so much. He Say says, it. ministry is done when needs are met. Say it. Say One it. of the things that he said that has been incredibly challenging to me, and I love this. He said, early on in my ministry, I figured I never want to treat anybody in a committee meeting in, a way, in such a way that I couldn't go visit them in the hospital the next day. Great advice. I love that so much. Oh, I wish I had heard that when I was 19. Oh, how I wish I had heard that earlier on. That you never want to treat anybody in a rehearsal or in a hallway or anywhere in such a way that the very next day, if they're in the hospital, you can't go and effectively minister to them. 
that's a way to be able to stay where you are so that you can have greater impact after a long period of time. Yeah. And I, I think that's just brilliant. Yeah, and, and we do live in a, a we're, we're sinners, and we yeah. will have, at times, broken mm-hmm. relationships. And it's about how to reconcile those relationships. We've got to do that. If you've got a problem with your brother or your sister, you go to them. You've got to get that worked out. And we're out of time, but I have to say, I have to say because this is part of my reality everywhere I've ever been, that if you are in a broken relationship with somebody you're seeking to lead in worship, it's going to be hard for their soul to sing. That kind of reconciliation is essential. It's why the body of Christ is designed to be a body, a single organism that functions together. And so if you want to help the people in your church sing, if you want to help their souls sing, then live out of ministry and out of wanting better for them and loving them well and and the things we've talked about. And, and I promise you, if you'll stay longer and faithfully, then more souls will be singing down the road because your effectiveness will be maximized. And what God called you and gifted you and equipped you, equipped you and anointed you to do, um, you will do in greater measure. And more souls will be singing in your ministry than ever before. So, Bubba, thank yeah. you. Love you, my brother. Love you too, so grateful brother. for our friendship. Um, look forward to doing this again sometime. Yeah. Thanks for listening. Uh, can't wait to, to hear from you. Send me, send me an email. Shoot me a text. Stop by and see me. I would love to know more about how this is helping you, about things that we could do would help you more. We really do want to make it. We want to build a tribe of people who will make it so every soul sings.